Hill. This is Don McCurney, the Bone Collector, and you're listening to the We Are Rising podcast. Hey everybody, you are listening to the We Are Rising podcast. This is your host, Andrew Benjamin, and I am joined by a very special guest today. He'll be fighting this Thursday in New Jersey against the New York badass Bill Brony. With me, I've got the bone collector, Dominic Garini, purple belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, fighting out of Team East Coast BJJ in Canton, Ohio. Uh, Mr. Garini, thank you very much for doing this interview. I really appreciate it. Uh, thank you guys for having me on today. So yeah, uh, I just wanted to, the reason why we're doing this interview is because uh, you'll be fighting at Blood, Josh Barnett's Bloodsport, and it's uh, it's going to be a very UWFI shoot style uh, type of uh, show. And the reason why we're interviewing is because there's a connection set to J- Japanese MMA, Pride, Rising, Dream. They're, they're all it's all part. They're all connected in some way because without without Pancreas, without UWFI, we wouldn't have a. Sh- you know, MMA promotions like Pride or uh, Ryzen. So uh, I just want to get some uh, background on you. How did you get started in uh, in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu? That is your uh, background. Yeah, so I got started in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Um, I had just recently um, finished my first season of high school wrestling coaching, and my coach was Brian Dahl, um, who was an, an NCAA champion at the University of Indiana and an Olympian. Um, he was actually a... Uh, he was actually the... He was actually the alternate for the Olympic team the year Brandon Slay won the gold medal. Mm-hmm. So I was at the state tournament in Columbus with him, and uh, we were going to the UFC the next night, and he was friends with Henry Cejudo. This mm-hmm. was back in 2000, and I want to say eight or nine. So Cejudo hadn't really transitioned over to MMA yet, and I was talking to Cejudo because we were at the weigh together about thinking about doing jiu-jitsu, and Henry was very active in the saying, hey, you should try it, and... Um, my friend Alex Pornar had been training East Coast BJJ for a while. He had started there in a karate program and had just recently transferred over to uh, BJJ. So it was something that I decided to try, and you know that was 10 years ago, and here I am 10 years later still doing it. And uh, right now you are a purple belt. That is correct, right? Correct. Uh, so how long did it take for you to get a purple belt? Uh, I would have got a purple belt in 2015, so... I would have started in 2009, so it would have been six years. Because I got my purple belt when I had started training in professional wrestling, essentially. Like, I had been a blue belt for almost four years. Um, I had kind of run the competition cycle about three or four times. Um, Pans, Worlds, all that stuff. And uh, the last year, I was a blue belt. Um, I probably could have been a football the year before, but my coach wanted to give me one last shot to win a world title blue belt, and it just didn't work out. So in November of 2015, I got my purple belt. 
Yeah, I'm, uh, actually, I can relate because I am a blue belt in jiu-jitsu right now, and I feel like blue belt is where you spend the most amount of time. That's 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 the level you spend the most amount of time at. So I'm I'm still at that level where like, oh, I'm still a blue belt for like five six years training in jiu-jitsu. Yeah, you you learn a lot of blue belt. Uh, you know, you get your you get your blue belt from white belt pretty much when you learn just kind of kind of what jiu-jitsu is, and then you kind of learn who you are in jiu-jitsu as a blue belt, and it kind of keeps going from there, in my opinion. Uh, yeah. So, what? Who, are there any uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu artists or grapplers who you particularly are fond of, or who've influenced how you grapple? Uh, Bernardo Faria, probably first and foremost. Um, especially when I was running a lot of competition cycles and stuff, like back when I was pretty much all into jiu-jitsu. Bernardo's game was pretty much what I emulated my game off of. A lot of D-path and Z-guard. Um, Mainly because, like, if you look at Bernardo compared to a lot of the other high-level black belts, the Marcus Bucheches, the Adolfo Vieras, the Leandro Lowe's, those guys are, are supremely athletic. They are amazing in scrambles. But Bernardo's not that way. Bernardo's more of, like, a slow you down, uh, take you into his waters, and beat you in his game. And that was kind of how I emulated my style and, and still to this day how my style kind of rolls in jiu-jitsu. Mm. Uh, and uh, can you just tell us a little bit of the tournaments that you have competed and won in? Um, so, uh, competed in. I've competed in just about every IBJJF tournament that there was. Um, I've done the PANS. I've done the Noji PANS. I've done the Worlds. Um, multiple times, Chicago Open. Uh, Chicago Open champion at Blue Belt. Um, Gi and Nogi. Um, New York Open. I mean, I don't think there was an IBJJF Open that I didn't try to do. Uh, five grappling champion. Um, North American or, uh, I, or uh, Abu Dhabi North American champion. Uh, back when it was a little lesser, like before they got into everything being a qualifier. Um, I wish I had been a qualifier back in those days. Um, Gi and Nogi for both those Abu Dhabi ones. Um, American Grappling Challenge, just more times than I can count. Um, Naga, and just about everything I, I, I competed in back when I was competing pretty much every weekend. Okay, I was just about to ask if you did, you did, uh, you did, if you did Naga, because uh, I thought you weren't going to mention that, but that was the last one you mentioned, because that is the one that, yeah, that is the, uh, probably, I would say the third third tier of um of jujitsu uh, grappling tournaments is naga uh, yeah uh, yeah no, i did i did a few nagas and uh actually i'm, I'm quasi famous there is i'm on one of the how to get dq'd in bjj videos but i'm the one getting the move done to me um i was in a naga and a kid was going for a knee bar on me at blue belt and i knew it was illegal and i was winning the match but i didn't care because i was like hmm, i can get out of here so the kid cranked, uh, cranked the knee bar i tapped once uh, the kid's all excited, and the video shows me getting my hand raised. The kid losing his mind because knee bars were illegal at Blue Belt. I so, I think I see that, but I think um, what is it the 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 B the Brazilian Jiu Jitsu um Facebook page. I'm trying to remember the um because I have I'm I've subscribed to about a bunch a bunch of them. I think I saw that. Well, like the, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, that's a, that's like one of my, my like low key claims to fame, and like I remember a lot of people like, oh my gosh, it's fast. I'm so. So, so you knew he was going for a knee, so you didn't, did you think he was going to get disqualified, or did you just think you were going to get I out knew, of it? I knew, I, I was hoping he was going to get disqualified, but I knew, because I was like, I was like, because most of the Nagalaps are pretty skilled, like, in terms of, like, those Nagalaps know what they're doing, and they know at least the base rule sets they have, so, like, I knew when he went for the knee bar, I was like, hmm, I was like, I'm up about 62 right now, I'm like, don't really care, I was like, I'm going to have a finals match, and I, I just gave one tap, and I could tell by the way the ref looked to me, he knew. Okay, so do you have a? I know that right now there's a lot of tournaments that are becoming 
uh, not points based, and they're only becoming suspicion uh, submission based, uh, where a match must end in submission. Do you have a preference with either, you know, whether it's traditional IBJ, IBJFF rules, or do you like the it must be a submission win for it to end um, type of uh, tournament? I was always more of a, of a, of a points based guy, but I definitely see the merits to submission only. Uh, sometimes what I decide about a submission only tournament would be a guy that just sits down and just gets completely dominated by a position for 20, 25 minutes, takes it to whatever overtime period it is. So let's say it's EBI rules. So let's say this guy just lets me just run for 25 minutes. And then in the you know overtime round where we either get spider web or we get the back with, with the, with the seatbelt, he wins there. Like, I don't think that's a true representation of you being better at jiu-jitsu than me. I think that just means that either you have better cardio or you just have really good defense. Because if we go back to what jiu-jitsu was about, which was about defending yourself in the streets, you know, back, you know, when, when the Gracies brought it over, what what is letting a guy get mad on you doing if you're in a street fight? You're going to get pummeled. Or you give him up your back, you're going to get pummeled. So I don't know if that's the true accurate representation of, of BJJ, the way it was meant to be. I don't know if points, you know, points necessarily aren't the right way. Like, if I get in a street fight and I pass your guard three times, I'm not going to say yeah, I beat you on points, dog. It's going to be like, it's still going to be something. But I think there's got to be a, a happy medium between both of like working the points and still working the submission. Mm. Do, you have, do you have any aspirations to do like a, a, a credible, another high level tournament like an EBI or even a quintet or anything of that sort? Um... Probably not as much, probably not as much on that level because I really don't necessarily have the time to dedicate to, dedicate to training towards those things with my professional wrestling career now. But I would definitely be willing to do like a fight to win, something along those lines. Fight to win comes to the Cleveland area a couple times a year in the Columbus area. And if it were to work out with my wrestling schedule and I was able to make the right schedule in terms of training jiu-jitsu for it, I would absolutely do like a fight to win or something along those lines. Well, how about MMA? Do you have any interest in either in going into pro MMA? Not right now. Uh, back when I started jiu-jitsu, that was always my ultimate end game until I got into love with competing in jiu-jitsu. And... Just not really into the idea of fighting MMA right now, especially with how active I am in pro wrestling. Um, although, I mean, I would say now I would have a great like base to like help out. Like I know Tom Waller and I have become very good friends off of our time working together, and he was he's offered them for me multiple times to come out to syndicate and work with him. So if I did ever want to do it, I think I would be more prepared than I could ever have been prepared before. I think that's a good uh, that's a good transition to talking about pro wrestling. Um, how did you get into pro wrestling? And uh, well, actually, first, were you a fan of pro wrestling uh, before you got into it? Yes, very much so. So I was actually a fan of pro wrestling before I was a fan of jiu-jitsu and MMA. Um, when I was about 16, I would go to some smaller local indie shows, help set up the ring, and I thought I was going to train to become a professional wrestler. Um, then I found amateur wrestling, and I kind of, I'm not going to say I fell out of pro wrestling, but I kind of fell in love with MMA and amateur wrestling. So that became more of my focus. Uh, when I was 19, like I said, I decided to start training in jiu-jitsu. And pretty much from about 2009 till about 2000, beginning of 2015, my life completely revolved, revolved around jiu-jitsu and it was everything. Now, a couple of times, now in, in that break there, let's say 2014, I went out to Chicago to train for one of the Chicago, or to train for the world in 2014, um, very seriously. <clears throat> and when I went out there, that was right around the time Kevin Owens was getting pushed on Raw. And Kevin Owens or Kevin Steen was like my favorite guy when I was first in indie wrestling. So like for me, it brought me back into the product and it made me kind of love it again. Um, and after the Worlds in 2015, I just didn't have a good performance and I kind of questioned myself of 
you know, is this going to be something that I'm never going to win a world title at, you know? So I kind of thought about it, and then I went to a Raw, of all things, in Cleveland, and I decided I wanted to start being a pro wrestler at that point. Um, it kind of helped a lot, though, when it came to pro wrestling and getting into it, that right when I got into it, you know, Matt Riddle was really transitioning over and into it, and I was able to find, like, good UWFI-type guys that are, are strong grappler types, like Drew Gulak, like Tracy Williams, you know, guys that really fall off of that UWFI, that ring style, um, that, you know, were the positive influences for me. As I said, Riddle coming in, too, was huge. Oh uh, yeah, and that that's the thing now is that it's it, there's a lot of guys w- who have an MMA background or a uh, a, a some type of shoot fighting background that are going to pro wrestling. You know, you just mentioned Tom Lawler, Matt Riddle, um, uh, we got Phil Baroni, and then there's Frank Mir and Dan Severn, who's been a pro wrestler for a long time. Why do you think? Why do you think there oh, a lot of oh, it seems that MMA or people with a true fine background can easily transition to pro wrestling um spacing uh this is something that like, i would say from my from like my experience uh for the most part increased cardio that a lot of people don't have when they first come to wrestling uh you know combat sports athletes have that cardio that you know a lot of pro wrestlers that want to come through don't have right when they start um, spacing and kind of mat knowledge. We know where the mats are at. We know how to be, you know, where to be, how to be. Like, ring positioning is not nearly as hard for us. Um, the idea of, I guess, taking pain too, like, for, for guys like me or like you, like Shayna Baszler, like, when we took for, when we took our first bumps, it's like, okay, well, we kind of know what this feels like. We've been thrown on, on mats that have no give. So it's stuff like that. And I think it's, it's a mental mindset too. You know, it's a grind that, like, some some people just don't know right away when they start pro wrestling school. Like a lot of kids and me being the trainer at the AW school, I see it now a lot of kids just think like, Hey man, I'm coming. When do I, when, when am I going to be on SmackDown? You know, whereas like uh, a Matt Riddle or a me or a Shana knows that it's like, if you go to an MMA gym your first day, you're not going to be like, Hey man, what am I going to be in the UFC? Like you're going to get the crap kicked out of you. And then, you know, by the grace of God, you create a skill set great enough. You can get there. And it's, it's very similar in pro wrestling. Like, very rarely, unless you know you're an anomaly, are you going to come in day one of training and be like, mm, "That guy's going to the WWE," or you know, in the MMA sense, that guy's going to go to the UFC. Uh, well, and uh, the way that you wrestle, it's uh, is definitely influenced by your grappling background. Lots of submission holds, targeting limbs. You know, you look you you look to get a submission win on your opponent, and as well, you, I've I've seen you also bring a some, some Muay Thai kickboxing as well. Um, to your re- pro wrestling, and one of the, one of the things I've noticed with pro wrestling, there's there's quite a few wrestlers who can, who are great at having that submission grappling, shoot style, catch wrestling, whatever you want to call it, um, style. Zack Saber Jr., Josh Barnett, Tom Waller. Um, but uh, one of the things that I think that the indie scene is missing is something like that. And um, what I want to get you just your take on, you know, just. What what pro you know I think there used to there, I think there used to be kind of a negative connotation with grappling I mean you've heard the term grapple fuck before uh, probably mm-hmm. so you know uh, what but I think that's con- because the indie scene is being so I guess inundated with flips and super kicks it's kind of it's kind of being like a reverse of we want to see less now instead of more do you think that's happening with the indie scene and uh, kind of like this resurgence of the uh, shoot style way of uh, style wrestling? Yeah, so I think that there's a couple of reasons why that is. Um, 
you know, I, I've also, besides my single stuff, I, I'm in tag team with uh, my, my close personal friend, Kevin Koo, and we're kind of, we kind of have a tag team based off of the idea of not of uh, more killer, less filler, and the idea of, like, let's beat people up and let's not let them slip. Um, and realistically, I think that you're seeing, it, it, it's becoming kind of like a harmonious balance of, like, people love the Lucha Bros, but people also love Tim Thatcher and Walter, who Tim Thatcher and Walter ain't flipping. They're going to be, they're just going to be world beaters. So it's like, it's, you're finding like almost about balance now. Um, whereas like, let's say 2014, Evolve was like completely dominated by the flippy guy, or was completely dominated by the grapplers. And then, you know, it was like, okay, well in 2017, it was dominated by the flippy guys. Well, and now it's just kind of like, they're trying to figure out like a kind of a balance of like a little bit of both. Um, for me, I, I'm not into like Lucha and all of the flips of course you know you look at my style i like hard-hitting professional wrestling strong style stuff um with a tinge of it looking like a real fight but i'm not gonna go like to the jim Cornette level of like oh well you know that all this is bullshit like no because if this was if i wanted to watch a real fight i'd watch mma but like i want to watch a simulated exhibition that's very similar to a real fight like that's my thought process and when i when you look at the style that i bring like i try to bring my real shoot background into it uh, while still doing a couple of professional wrestling things because we're still in pro wrestling. Like, I still want to, this to be a professional wrestling match. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, you, uh, you've made, uh, you wrestled for AIW, is that correct, right? That's, yep, that's where I trained, and that's kind of like the home promotion for me. Okay, so why do you think, AIW has been kind of, been has had a, they've become quite popular on the uh, on the indie circuit. Why do you think that AIW is is kind of has made a name for itself uh, break uh, by that has uniquely made a, a name for itself on the indie scene as this indie promotion for people to come see and to pay attention to? Uh, a couple of reasons. One, man, we are so much different than anywhere else. Um, on one show, you'll see me and Zack Saber Jr., but you'll also see like. Uh, Carl Parker and, and Missy Hyatt. Like we, we try. We're kind of like a variety show, almost. Is what I like to say. Um, because while we still have you know these great world leader matches, we give away these or we have these crazy attractions. Like last show, we had Billy Kidman in to do a meet and greet, and that's one of the things that I think we've done really well is that uh, John Thorne, the owner of AIW, has mastered the meet and greet. Um, and we have these great meet and greets that get fans in the door, and then we have, you know, breakneck action that keeps them there and makes them want to come every month. And that's the big thing. One of the other things that I'll, I'll give credit to Thorne about is that Thorne doesn't book guys, again, like, in, like, the obvious matches. Like, okay, for, for example, I was with Zack Sabre Jr. when I was six months into professional wrestling. You know, when, when John booked Zack for that show in November of 2016, John could book Zach against anybody on our roster, anybody who had supreme experience to me. But he gave he gave me the match because one, he wanted to try to make a new star out of me, and two, he wanted to give Zach a different look in terms of like Zach gets booked today AW, he gets booked you know at all these other places, and they're always putting him up against other big names. And Zach even told John that he likes the challenge of like working with a newer name that maybe you know people don't know and it's a chance to get him over and like for example like zach just wrestled um i believe it was uh, a kid over in over in spain yeah and it was very, a very similar thing where it was like he got to put on this really great match with this guy that no one really heard of and a kid's career has taken off since much like my i did right after i wrestled zach so i think like john booking outside of the box and giving guys that aren't like the super indie names 
the chances to wrestle the big indie names is a huge deal, and I think that helps out a lot. Did you find it hard when you when you first debuted and uh, were starting off? Was it hard to get yourself uh, get yourself in, in, in the positive eyes of the crowd to get yourself over, um, or did you how did you how did you uh, start uh, work with that starting off as a pro wrestler? Straight up, the first match we had, which was a six way scramble on like a smaller bar show, you know, we had the crowd for that show. But like those smaller bar crowds are easier for us, you know, it's like a hundred people, it's not nearly the difficulty. So we had a really good match, and I remember Thorne uh, messaged all six of us the next day and goes, Do you guys think you guys can do that match, but a little better in, you know, a week and a half at Mount Carmel? Which Mount Carmel is where our big shows were, and we said, you know, all of us, of course. We're like, yeah, so we have the second scramble at Mount Carmel, and um, I almost lost the crowd at that first show because straight up uh, we were wrestling, and I was supposed to get thrown out of the ring, and I just hit the ropes, and I didn't go. Like, my body just quit, so I just jumped out of the ring, and I got booed out of the building, and I was like, well, my career is dead. Um, luckily, later in the match, we did the spot where one of my opponents did the 450, and I caught him in the triangle choke. The moment I hit that, I won the crowd over, but prior to that, I was pretty much dead in the water. Um, but now you, 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 you're, you are a an AIW mainstay. You're, you are one of their. Um, I, would you say? Would you say you're one of their top guys, or like soon to be top guys at this point? I would say I'm still a soon to be top guy. Like I just recently turned heel, um, so I, I, I'm in there. But honestly, I would say I'm one of like on the way to be one of the top guys, and I've gotten a chance to wrestle some of the best that have come through, like. Obviously, Zach. I got to wrestle um, BJ Whitmer on his way out. Mm-hmm. Um, Juice Robinson, Tom Waller. Me and him did about a one-year-long feud. So I would say I'm up near the top of the pecking order. Um, but there's definitely some guys ahead of me still. Now, now let's talk about Bloodsport. You were at the uh, you were uh, at the Bloodsport last year, Matt Riddle's Bloodsport, yep. um, which was in uh, was it Florida that it was last year? New Orleans. New Orleans, New Orleans. No, that was the year before. Yeah, New Orleans. And, um, well, yeah, I was so excited for the Bloodsport show just because it was, like, no other wrestling show uh, that week or one that you had seen in a long time. It was a ring, no ropes. It was either knockout or submission. And I just loved what the presentation was. It was also the shortest show out of all the wrestling shows at <laughs> that time. So that was also why I liked it. But I loved the presentation of it and just what it stood for. What did you think of when uh, you got offered the chance to uh, to take on uh, Kyle the Beast at the at Bloodsport last year? Um, I remember last November, or the November before Bloodsport, I was at AIW and Brett Lauderdale from Game Changer was at the show. And he came up to me after my match, and he said, hey, uh, keep your day open on Thursday in uh, New Orleans. I might have something really cool for you. He goes, we just have to clear it with the commission. And I said, okay, cool. I said, I will. So I remember I saw the first promo from Matt, from Matt Riddle Bloodsport last year where he sat in the bag, and I literally messaged Brett, and I said, is this what you're talking about? He said, yeah. He said, are you open? I said, absolutely. So uh, that was kind of like the antithesis of me getting in, and then – uh, it was probably the show, like, I did the Evolve shows last year, so I was really excited for those, but I was probably most excited for Bloodsports because I was excited to be a part of something different, like you said. You know, uh, I talked to Riddle about it, at, you know, when we were doing our Evolve stuff, and he's like, yo, he's like, we're going to do no ropes, we're going to do knock our submission only, he's like, it's going to be different, and I was really excited for it. Um, I was definitely, Kyle, Kyle wasn't the opponent I thought I would have, I thought maybe I would have more of, like, a fighter-based guy, but Kyle's a great a great pro wrestler and uh, a really underrated guy, so I was really excited to get the chance to take on Kyle. And uh, I think we were the, we were the first match on the card, so I think we kind of like 
were tasked with letting the crowd know what was gonna what the crowd like what was gonna happen for the show because I think like well half the crowd was really kind of with it and knew what it was gonna be there was another half that was just like coming for Matt Riddle and Marola Suzuki who didn't know exactly what they were getting into and I think Kyle and I were tasked like I said with kind of showing them what it was gonna be like and almost everybody I talked to said that we set the tone the right way for the show. Well, that's, yeah, that, that actually was maybe my second question was, do you think we were at all worried, you know, having to basically set the tone? Because, you know, first of all, this is the, I think it was probably the first real big show of that of that WrestleMania week. So, you know, it's basically setting the precedence for everything that, every other show that's coming on after that. But also, for the show itself, you're showing off what this show will be about. Were you worried at all the crowd may not know what... It may not, it may not be their cup of tea, or they wouldn't have understood. Was that at all something that went through your mind? So I was a little, I was a little nervous at first, um, just because I wasn't necessarily sure. Like you said, like I, like I said, I knew about half the crowd would know what was going on. Like I, I, I'm pretty uh, with it on the Twitter crowd of like what they know, who they know. Um, the kind of the point where I knew that I'd be, I would be okay was when I came out and like most of the crowd knew who I was. At that point, like, when I got that good pop, I was like, oh, I think we're going to have him. Um, I wanted to make sure, the hard part was, with Kyle not really coming from a shoot-style background, I wanted to make sure like, that he kind of knew where we needed to get with everything. And, uh, you know, to his credit, he understood everything. You know, he held up his own on the grappling end of everything. And I, I was, I, you know, I was pretty happy with the match. It was, you know, it wasn't the longest. But the thing about it is these shoot-style matches should be long epics. You know, they're... Anywhere between, you know, five to ten minutes, you know, looks like a hard-fought battle. Yeah, and also uh, yeah, coming out in your uh, jiu-jitsu uniform as well, um, I definitely also think helps set a, a an, the atmosphere of, okay, this isn't your pro, this isn't your typical pro wrestling match that's happening. This is, this is, that's something that's going to be a UWFI, it's going to be like an MMA UFC, oh, original UFC style, when, uh, yeah. like when Hoist Gracie used to come out and compete in his uniform. Well, that was the thing, like, me and uh, Tom Lawler came up to me in the back and was like, hey, you want me to come out and be your corner? I said, sure. And, you know, I, I was his corner against Walter. And uh, I said, you want to do the great? Yes, you want to do the great? So you on the way out. And he's like, it's two people. I'm like, let's do it. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot as well. Yeah, thank you for mentioning that as well. You know, having seconds in your corner as well, uh, which is normally not a pro wrestling thing unless, you know, a manager interferes or something, which uh, this this match, this this show wasn't part, uh, didn't have that. But, um, yeah, so now we have Josh Barnett taking over for uh, Matt Riddle, who's now in WWE. And I think one of the things about this year that's a lot different is there's less pro wrestlers on it, and there's more guys who have a who have some sort of shoot-style background. Would you agree with that? Oh, 110%. I, I think I noticed while, while I was going through and they were kept announcing talent, I was like, oh, man, I'm like, they, like, they are definitely going more on the shoot-style guys. I mean, there's definitely like kind of some outliers and guys that may that might not be super shoot style guys like your Andy Williams and like your J.R. Kratos, but almost everybody else in the tournament ha- or in the, in the in the show has some sort of shoot background. Like most people don't even know, like Chris Dickinson's a super is like a really high level karate black belt. Um, you know, like Simon Gotch is you know trained a lot in jujitsu and Muay Thai. Um, Almost everybody has some sort of background this year. Uh, like I said, realistically, besides a couple of guys, and I think that was kind of what Josh was looking to attain. Uh, I think Josh is really looking to set the tone for the weekend once again. We we're not the first show this year, but we're one of the first shows. I think he's looking to set just kind of like a different tone this year and to put on a show that's going to be entirely different from everything else that's happening over over WrestleMania weekend with about ninety seven shows that are going on. Also, don't forget Frank Mir versus Dan Severn as well, which is a match. But I'm, what a wild match. 
I have no idea what to expect from that match, being that it's Frank Mir's first pro wrestling match. I'm just, I, I'm, and, yeah, like you said, this is, there's a lot more grapple, a lot more guys with, with uh, shoot backgrounds this year. And I want to talk about your opponent, uh, the New York badass, the poet, Phil Baroni. Um, were you, 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 you know of him uh, beforehand, I'm guessing, before you were told you were going to be facing off against him, right? Yeah, I, I got the message a few weeks ago that I would like to hear me, Phil and I. And like for me, it's like a cool experience because I remember my buddy Shannon, who is now Black Belt in Jiu-Jitsu, who's one of my better friends in the world. I was in his wedding uh, a year and a half ago. Uh, we used to literally sit in my basement and watch this Genghis Khan Phil Baloney highlight. And I don't know if we were ever like mesmerized by Phil's skills, but like just the way like he fights is something that's different and his trash talk. So like it's cool. Like this guy used to watch Thai video like every day after wrestling practice. Now I'm gonna wrestle him. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Um, New York. He was never known as the most technical fighter, but he was a guy who, he was basically a ballroom brawler who was there to either knock the other guy out or die in his own sword. That was basically his entire game plan. And also, one of the original shit talkers in MMA as well, before Chel Sonnen, before Tom McGregor, he was one of the, uh, one of the guys who, who just would just trash his opponents uh, mercy, without mercy. Yeah, um, I'm, sure, I'm sure for Phil's sake, if Phil was around in an era where there was a lot more Twitter and and you know ways of trash talking, I'm sure Phil would have probably made a whole lot more money than he did back in you know the earlier days of MMA when all he had was like some random interviews and some pre-fight pressers. Because Phil is widely regarded as like one of the most entertaining men in MMA history. And I think like with stuff with advent of like Twitter, Instagram, things like that, he would have been way more over now than he was back then. Mm-hmm. And actually, here's the thing. He actually, he actually was. Uh, I don't know if you saw, was doing some trash talking of you. Um, oh, yeah. oh. I saw, I saw, and and that's and that you know Phil can be that way. And, and like I said, I I replied back to him with a picture after he lost the pizza, and I said, you know, Phil, humility was never your strong point, and I I, I believe that you know Pete or uh, Pete Sell choked him out. I mean, uh, Frank Shamrock choked him out. You know, Phil's always had a weakness on the ground, so like that's something that I'm gonna look to exploit. You know, come Thursday at Bloodsport. Yeah, so yeah, so that's what I think. And so I was about to ask, so how do, your strategy going into this match is probably is is the ground being on your back will probably be your best friend this match. Obviously, I don't think you would want to stand and bang with him. Uh, no, no. Tom, Tom Waller actually texted me and found out about the match and was like, "What's your game plan?" And of course, we talked. And you know, getting this fight to the ground is going to be kind of my bread and butter. The the harder part of this fight would be more so the fact that there's no ropes on the ring. So I can't use those for leverage when it comes to stuff like takedowns. But, uh, you know, I'm a jiu-jitsu guy, so maybe I'll just pull guard. But also, you know, the good thing is that that means that he can't, he can't that means there's less, uh, he, if, if you, if he tries to escape from a hold, you can follow him, you know, to, yep. the, to outside if you even need to. You know, you know, he doesn't have the ropes to, to hold on to or anything of that sort. So that's also an advantage for you, I think. 100% true. So I think it'll be an interesting matchup uh, as Josh put you know, when he announced the match on his Twitter, uh, it, it truly is a classic striker versus grappler matchup. Uh, you really take Phil's ballroom brawling, uh, boxing style against my kind of general art of Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and it, it kind of almost harkens back to some some of those UFC one, those early UFC style matchups. Well, now during the match, are you worried that he might also try to trash talk you, try to get into your head or something like that? Is that also something you're prepared for? I'll uh, for, for that, but I'll, maybe I'll just pull the old Frank Shamrock and I'll just laugh at him and I'll, I'll do the you're going to go to sleep uh, motion like Frank did back when they fought in Strike Force. Mm. Now, 
What about with the crowd, though? It, it will be in New Jersey. It's technically not New York, but um, he is from the New York area, original a Long Island native. Do you think he'll have the crowd on his side, or do you think, or is that something that's not you're not really worried about having the crowd I'm on your really side? I'm not really worried about it. One of the big things that I got, I've always done in jiu-jitsu and pro wrestling is I kind of stay stay in my own lane. I kind of get tunnel vision into there. Um, I know that I'll have my fans with me. Uh, I've got plenty of like AFW fans that are coming down. I know that I've got plenty of like the fans that are big fans of me from the internet that will be there. So either way, I'm looking forward to what should be a pretty pretty fun and pretty raucous crowd. And I think what's going to be a pretty amazing show with it being sold out and everything. So I'm very excited about it. Yes. Uh, and are you are you scheduled for any other shows uh, for Mania Week? Oh, oh boy, am I. So um, the, I will be, all of my shows are actually at that same venue, a part of the collective. Um, on that Thursday at noon, it will be myself, Kevin Koo, and Brett Ison versus... Uh, Cabana and Dan, Mr. Brickster, and O'Shea Edwards will be representing Southern Underground Pro on uh, internet on independentwrestling.tv's uh, family reunion show. Then later that night at 11, I will be wrestling for AIW um, as we do our first show out of the Cleveland area. I will be wrestling Joshua Bishop in a submit or surrender match. Um, and then Friday, it will be myself and my dear close close friend Kevin Koo as our tag team sad comp takes on Manny Fernandez and uh, Deathmatch Legend Tank in a tag team match. Uh, I, so I will be seeing you at two shows in that case. I will be at Bloodsport and I will be at the AIW show uh, awesome. later that night. Uh, Suburb Party Massacre, I think it's called, right? It is, yes. Uh, John Thorne, very big, uh, very big fan of 80s horror movies. So <laughs> we're looking for an 80s horror movie to name it after when we went Suburb Party Massacre. Uh, are there any, so I also as well, Are there? Is there any other... Any, anything else that you're doing WrestleMania week? You happen to be going to WrestleMania or NXT or Ring of Honor? You're gonna be doing it, or you're just gonna be doing your wrestling matches that week? So oh, mainly just wrestling. Uh, for the last three years, I've gone to WrestleMania, but this year I decided not to go because actually I've got um, I'm gonna be wrestling for Beyond next Wednesday on their second Uncharted Territory show. So I kind of uh, I have a real job still on top of wrestling, so I couldn't take manage to take almost an entire extra week off. So I'm gonna be flying back Sunday morning to Cleveland, but uh, Saturday I'm wide open, so I'm probably going to go sightsee around New York, um, and then Friday I know that I'm going to go and hang out with uh, ROH's Tracy Williams, he he contacted me and Koo, and we haven't seen him in a little bit since he got signed, so he invited us to go hang out with him, so that's on my game on Friday after Black Label. Well, I took, I've taken this whole, uh, I've taken off Thursday and Friday for Mania Week, so I'm going to be spending the entire week just going to shows and probably getting drunk and probably getting no sleep as well. So there you go. I, think, I think that's almost everybody's plan. <laughs> but um, I also want to give you an opportunity to, uh, in case if Phil Baroni ever listens to this audio, I want to give you an opportunity to say whatever you want to him or about him, about your upcoming match with him at Bloodsport. The floor is yours. Cut a promo on him. Phil, you come from a byline era of fighters. And I think there's no better place for me to put the legend of the New York Badass to rest other than the New York, New Jersey area. So I'm going to choke you out. Come next Thursday at Bloodsport. I'll see you there, buddy. Well, those are those are those are real those are real fine words if I uh, if uh, if I can say so myself. Uh, it's going to be a great match. Dominic Green, the Bone Collector, taking on the New York Badass, the Poet Phil Baroni, this Thursday. At Josh Barnett, Game Changer Wrestling presents Josh Barnett's Bloodsport, which will be at the White Eagle Hall in Jersey City. While it is sold out, you can get on Fight TV, uh, either as an individual show or part of the collective of all the Game Changer Wrestling shows. And uh, also, uh, Dominic, I want to give you an opportunity to plug your social media at this point. Yes, 
uh, Twitter at dgurneybc, Instagram at dgurneybc. Um, as well, if you see me at the collective, um, please buy my merchandise. I'll have my own shirts as well. Myself and Kevin Koo, we've got a really cool uh, tag team design made for the weekend. Uh, I'll have those all the shows that I'm on over collective weekend. So please come and see me. And uh, other than that, uh, hope to see everybody there at the collective. If not, uh, feel free. Like I said, Twitter at dgurneybc, Instagram at dgurneybc. Uh, reach out to me. I'll try to respond to everybody. Actually, also, do you have a pro wrestling tease um, section as well? So I do, but I don't really share it because I don't like the way they come out. Um, I usually just say if someone wants a shirt from me to just hit me up on Twitter and I'll ship it to you myself because I get them made by custom printers with bigger designs, better quality. Okay, gotcha. And you'll be available for meet and greets at Bloodsport and the other shows that you're going to be uh, yeah. at? Yep, I'll be available for meet and greets at all three shows, or all four shows that I'm on. So come on up, say hi to me. I, I won't show you away. I, I, I'll talk to you. We'll talk MMA. We'll talk uh, BJJ. We'll talk pro wrestling. Okay, and just also, uh, I forgot the Blood Sports Show will be at 4 p.m. Eastern uh, Thursday as well. And uh, Dominic, once again, I really appreciate you doing this interview. Good luck in your match. Uh, watch out for those hands of Phil Broni and watch out for that mouth of his because I'm sure that both are going to be pretty strong. Yep, that's my that's my game plan. So I'm gonna look out for those and. Yeah, you know, I'll, uh, I'll find you there, and we'll, uh, we'll continue to chat there. Okay, great, Dominic. Thank you very much. Good luck in your match. No problem. Thank you, man. No problem. Take care.